Yes. 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 Hello. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Music Guy Podcast. Podcast about a couple of guys just just waiting, just waiting for the music biz to come back so we can uh, get back to work. On Spotify. My name's Al Rowe. I'm a music guy. I'm, I'm, I play guitar. I sing. I write songs. I make records. Uh, my friend, co-host, coming at you from Whippy, Ontario. He plays guitar. He sings backup vocals. He's a, a composer, a uh, recording uh, player, all these great things. Educator, Michael Hebs, coming at you from Whippy, Ontario. How are you, my friend? I have an interesting, a very quick story before we introduce our guest. One time, okay, <laughs> when I was a much younger man, I was trying to impress a girl, and I told her I was a composer. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work at all. She wasn't impressed. Have you tried, I was have you tried that trick now that you're a much older man? Uh, no, no. Well, also, do I, I don't remember doing this. I was told this by a friend. <laughs> like, you told a girl you were a composer, uh-huh. and she didn't give a shit. Rightfully so. Because I was lying, so and also too, there was alcohol involved. Yeah. Oh, always is. <laughs> Who do we have here today, Al? It's the only way I can talk to a girl. Uh, we've we've got a very special guest today. Uh, excited to have him on the show. Thanks for taking the time uh, coming on with us. Uh, this is this is uh, a, a dear friend of Mike and I's, and and the 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 man that we go to when our guitars. Needs some TLC, needs some love. Uh, great player, instrumentalist, multi instrumentalist. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> playing for uh, the, I'm going to get this wrong. Is it Universal Recording Artist David Boyd Janes? Or is it Warner? Or is it Warner? Warner. It's Warner, isn't it? Yeah. It's one of those big ones. I knew it. I knew He's, I would get it wrong. It's a legit um, one. David Boyd Janes, uh, also. A long career in uh, in music theater, playing in pit bands, pit orchestras. Uh, also, the band Professors of Funk out of the East End of uh, of the GTA. Been going for a number of years now. Uh, it's Mr. David Chown. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, fellas, Yay! good to be here. Finally, I've talked to you. What's about going it on so many with times. you right now, man? How's how's life? How's how's quarantine oh, or whatever? Pretty we're good. This thing we're doing, you know, it's ups and downs, and today's a good day. Got some, got some ragu in the crock pot, and been for a run, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> so like, today's going good. Nice. Uh, I do so, like ragu. One thing I know is is that mm. you've been taking your health and your physical fitness super seriously uh, over the course of this sort of lockdown. Um, which is awesome because I wish I was taking mine more seriously. <laughs> Fortunately, I have a dog that I have to walk. And there that, you go. That gets oh, me out yeah. of the house. Other than that, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not doing so great. So can you talk a little bit about what you've um, been doing? And we don't have to spend all show on this, but I just find it interesting to chat with people about how they've just been sort of keeping uh, keeping themselves in good spirits and good health during this, this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's... You know, I guess, I guess with everybody, like as this kind of draws on and keeps going, like you kind of have to change certain things and adapt and get tired. So yeah, it's it's definitely been a journey since since a year ago. Like probably when this first started, I I spent a lot of time just just in sitting meditation and things like that. And then yeah. you know, and then I started started moving a bit more, so doing more yoga every day. 
and um, and as a very conscious like mental health break, taking that aspect seriously, and then yeah, like it's sort of built mm-hmm. from there. Like I was never really one to go to a gym or be particularly active, as I know many musicians are. We sit in our little cubicles <laughs> exactly. and and, and whittle <laughs> away and. But uh, yeah, so and it's it's become kind of addictive, which which is nice, and I've been stepping it up bit by bit every month. So yet now, I guess late last year I started running for some godforsaken reason. <laughs> Feels good though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I, again, and it's those little like I try and get these yeah. little wins every day, or. The reason I started running, to be honest, was I was trying to find something that sucked. Like I wanted to do something that sucked every day, like just so I didn't feel like I was like I was getting soft or, you yeah, know, yeah. like I'm going to have to go back to work and I'm going to get stressed out and I want to do sure. something that sucks to sort of get a, keep a little toughness on uh, on the on the edge. So yeah, you should have watched Friends. <laughs> 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 so what do you have like a routine that you sort of stick to or are you more of just like yeah feeling it out as you go day by day um it's good january was prob- probably the roughest point for me like i like i got through 2020 okay but for some reason january the second lockdown i lost a bit of that routine but um sure. mm-hmm. yeah i i picked up a part-time gig at the the school up there watching the younglings over the lunch hour and um so like it's nice just having something on the calendar and an obligation to leave the house like you say you gotta you have to leave the house to take your dog for a walk so i don't have a dog so um yeah so that but you know i get up in the morning i'll i'll do my yoga maybe go for a run like every other day and then just like some sort of stupid thing like just i'm i'm on a burpees kick now so i'll just do burpees till i'm gassed and then yeah and then have a shower <laughs> have a shower eat a ton of food and then and then figure out something else to do but uh that's great at, at least after i've done that i know like i'll feel good i'll be awake and then i can sort of carry that momentum into whatever else is going on hopefully that's the goal anyway yeah so yeah, t- talk to us a little bit about the the yeah the David Boy James gig, uh, what, sort of what you do in that band. I think you're, you know the the quote unquote utility musician is is it's kind of a word that gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. Like I've been called a utility musician, and I don't really feel like that's true. You know, like because I sing backups or something. It's well, like, no, you that's, sing backups. That's not are really what it is. I've, I've seen you play keys though. You can yeah. you can claim yeah, you can claim the utility well, role. Play keys is a, is a stretch, but yeah, <laughs> better than I am. Um, man. Yeah, but no, like I, I kind of like it. Like I, I fell into the role just because, you know, I've always had an insatiable curiosity with music, and it sort of spans. And like I grew up playing other instruments, so like it sort of ballooned out from there. And mm-hmm. but. Looking, I've I've always been a big baseball fan, and I always admire the utility players. You know, like like John McDonald was 
I, you know, I, I loved him when he was playing with the Jays, and he just got, he'd do whatever the team needed. He's yeah, that's cool. I'll go, and you just roll with it. You're you're there to play baseball, and yeah. that's kind of my mo. Is like, yeah, I'm just here to make music. Just what? Let me know what kind of music sounds you want me to do. So, what uh, yeah, instruments but, are yeah. off the list of things that you would want to do? Like accordion? Would you do any accordion playing? <laughs> there might be an accordion in my parents' basement, to be perfectly honest, go. that I have squeezed a couple times. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just that phrase. Um, <laughs> yeah. I squeezed a few things growing up in my parents' basement. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you what do you currently what's what's currently on your yes. your instrument stand yes, for a, for a gig right now for um like you mentioned the David Boy Jane's band was probably the um the biggest thing I had going on last year um as far as the utility things go and with that group um I'm playing uh banjo um there, there was a ganjo at one point like it was you know, I was working with a couple different tunings, so a banjo, five-string banjo, six-string banjo, um, mandolin, uh, which I could argue the mandolin kind of started the whole thing uh, for me, and then the baritone guitar, which has been, I've been loving very, very much, because I've had it for years, and I've never really had a, much of a chance to explore it in a baritone role, so... Yeah, I'm really enjoying getting to play that in the group. So this is this is how little I know about guitar, but like what actually is a baritone guitar? Does it have a longer neck scale? Yeah, or so, like you just tune it down? Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. Like the baritone um, kind of fills the gap between guitar and bass. So a guitar and bass are an octave apart, and the baritone guitar mm-hmm. is kind of like a fourth in between there. So instead of being tuned okay. E to E traditionally, most baritones are tuned B to B. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and I mean, like some guys will put heavy strings on their telly and down tune it, but it's not the same. Like a bar- sure. you're right, a baritone guitar, it yeah. has a longer neck. And mm. um, yeah, you'll, like you'll hear it in a lot of like old 60s, 70s Western soundtracks, like that, sure. that kind of sound. Yeah, that's the traditional mm-hmm. use for it. Yeah, I was just about to ask about that, like because Will Will did what you said. He he like got a guitar and he put bigger strings on it. And like yeah. I keep thinking about what parts I would play on it. Like, is it mostly single note lines? And like, yeah, are you a, just doubling the bass or a lot? Some melodies mm-hmm. and yeah, it depends. And um, also, there's the certain thing. Like I, I think I've heard you guys talk about this before where you'll um double an acoustic but you'll move the capo to a different position yeah yeah, yeah. so like it's that kind of thing as well where you'll have um like for example if the song's in the key of d you'll get the guitarist playing a traditional d shape but on the baritone it would you'd be playing a g shape yes yeah yeah, to play in the key of d so you know it kind of has that aspect where um you're playing in the same key, but you're di- getting different chord voicings. Yeah, and you're mm-hmm. playing chords. That's that's good to know too, because like, yeah. I always wondered like, is it just like a pretty much a bass guitar but higher? But it, it does do chords, which is cool. Yeah, Those strings are yeah. big though, eh? 
Some of them, yeah. Like I just yeah. got a uh, set, like a bit heavier than usual, and they these ones are fourteen to sixty eight. Jeez, Is, yeah. Jeez. So, oh wow. Speaking of, of string gauge, this is like a little bit of a departure, but um, have you guys seen the the Rick Beato video on string gauge? I, I, I saw. I keep seeing it in my my news feed, and I keep not watching it. But I need to watch it. I really want to. I, yeah. I saw one. I'm not sure if it's the one you're talking about, where they were. It was a few different guitarists, and they were kind of a being different, yeah. like going as light yeah. as eights, or maybe maybe yes. even yeah. Like you you can find eights, but like back in the day, I think you could even find sevens like eights and nines were very traditional like that's what i'm saying like that blows my mind like that the tones that we were listening to were on eights you know what i mean like that's apparently that's the thing yeah eights and nines like i don't think tens really became a huge thing for quite some time so it's like because i noticed one thing and i made this mistake actually i got you to set up my guitar and i didn't mention anything about it and yeah, because your brother it? dropped it off, and he uses tens usually. Yes, yeah, and you're you're an elevens great. guy like, like me. And normally, I'm, I'm the elevens I'll, guy. I'll, I'll message you and be like, "Oh, I need elevens, right?" But so tens were on it, and I, I I was like, "Why does this guitar sound better? Sounds sounds like brighter and less like mud in the bottom." Because I I always had like something around like one fifty to like two fifty. I'm not good at EQ, so like somewhere in there, and I would have to like cut it out because it'd be like muddy. And it's not there anymore. And I want tens. And so now I'm like, I should maybe try nines. I might even try eights. Because if all the classic recordings were on eights, why am I fucking around with like elevens, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. That's what the video was saying too. Yeah, so. it is. Yeah, the the string gauge mostly, uh, see, I never never thought much about the tone or, or wasn't really concerned much about the tone because like yeah. you say like ah you can just eq it however you need yeah, but yeah, yeah. Th- there is something satisfying about just plugging a guitar into an amp hitting a chord and like yeah that's good yeah and, you know you don't have to mess around too much the only problem is with eights is you'll have to hit so fucking light compared to like 11 yeah you can fucking and, and that's that's my problem like i grew up yeah. on riff rock and i'm so yeah. heavy-handed like i i'd be breaking breaking them like crazy that'd be a powerful feeling but, though uh, to bend a string to break oh, then it snaps yeah. in half love that oh yeah eights you could get all the way across the fretboard yeah with them easily yeah <laughs> Well, that's what I was saying, because we had this conversation last time, and I, I was just thinking, it's like, you know, any of those, like, um, there's the Pink Floyd solo to uh, another brick in the wall, where he's doing, like, you know, a single step or step and a half bend to, like, a double, you know, two-step, yep. two-tone bend, oh, you know, okay. or, like, uh, I, I remember that- uh, there's some Jimmy Page solos where he's, like, you know, yeah. in the middle of doing some kind of, like, you know, pattern, and he's also going like like the the bends are insane, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. If no, like eights, Jim, Jimmy yeah, Page, Jimmy Page was like my number one influence for many many years, and yeah, the the whole lot of love solos specifically, like those little breaks. There's easily like oh, step and a half, wow. and then I think there's a two and a half step bend in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That solo is like. The and best so you rock think he's solo. rocking eights? I I might I, I might like if if the tone if the tone is right you know then then the tone is right I'll get it right at the source. You would play eights? 
I I'd play fucking I'd play like twenties if if, if 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 it was better, you know. Um, so okay, so I have to, I have two questions. You guys probably answer, David. You're probably the best to answer these. But like, a what is the draw to thicker strings? Because like that, I, I, just growing up playing guitar, it was like. Okay, you know, every my friends were all like, "Well, you should go up. You should go up a gauge. You should go up a gauge." Yeah, I was probably playing nines or whatever when I first started learning. Your friends um, are full and I of went shit. up to elevens at one point, and I was like, "This is insane. I can't. Like, I'm, I'm not strong enough to do this." And then question number two is like, is is there like if I if I say I get I say I went to eights. I'm on tens right now. Say I went to eights. Is there gonna be intonation problems? Like if I'm fretting like a first position or open position A chord. Where you're going to get that G string kind of bending out of tune a little bit some of the uh, time if you squeeze it too hard, is that going to be more of a problem with the lighter strings? It's like you're going to have to adjust your technique. There will be like a slight learning curve. Um, yeah, like it's it's the kind of thing like if you're if you're lifting a weight, or I've done this with some people's bass amps, like I've gone to help them load out their bass amp, expecting it to be 80 pounds, but yes. it has this wicked light speaker in it, and I'd be like, holy crap. Yeah. And, you know, you almost throw it th- through the ceiling trying to pick it up. It, <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same kind of thing. Like, you have to play them in, get a feel for it, and, and adjust your technique accordingly. And One Yeah, thing like I said, as, as, far as, as far as the appeal for the heavier yeah. strings goes... Um, some of it, like for me, I've always erred on the heavier side just because, like I said, I'm very heavy-handed. Like I hit my wrist on the bridge a lot, and I would sure I'd be popping string. Like I'd break one or two strings every bar gig, kind of thing. Yeah. So like that mm. kind of forced me to step up. Um, yeah. Some people argue the tone of it, um, but again the. The tone argument's subjective. Like, if you want the Stevie yeah. Ray Vaughan tone, if you want to dig in and do big monster blues bends, you're going to want heavier strings. Um, really? You know, because the lighter strings, the harder you attack them, like, they'll they'll flub out a little easier, sure. I find. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Whereas the heavier strings just have more tension overall, so you can you can hammer away at them a lot easier so yeah it's it's a stylistic thing or a you know a preference thing as well depending some people like to like to fight their guitar other people just want it to be as effortless as possible so yeah different strokes yeah uh, effortless well, so um one of the that's things my, that i think is kind of funny um <laughs> is you were saying the intonation thing like well you just press notes out of tune and like so I oh, have yeah. one of the reasons I don't like this this guy that I have here is it has the old style frets and they're really small as as you know Chown but like if they're using eight gauge strings maybe that makes more sense because the bigger frets even if you use normal gauge strings if you press them too hard you're going to put shit out of tune. So, yeah, if if they're taller and I mean like this kind of stuff is crazy when you think about it like you know non guitarists might think what eight nine ten gauge strings. Um, but like we're talking about fractions, like hundreds and thousandths of an inch, right? And sure. like, yeah, uh, like guitarists, mm-hmm. we're sensitive to those changes. Like it's, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous I when heard, you think I about it. I heard it on my guitar. 
Like yeah. when 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 you when I took it home, I was like, ah, oh, this guitar is like brighter, and like I didn't feel it. Uh, maybe because I hadn't played that guitar in like a week, but like I definitely heard. I was like, this guitar sounds clearer to me, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I thought maybe it was new strings, and it could be obviously that, but like I, it felt like there was something different. I was like, ah. Oh. He did something cool. Um, what else was I going to say? The bigger strings thing too. I definitely think that goes with humans, um, like intuition that if it's harder, it's like better. You know what I mean? Like the, the machoism. Yeah, like if yeah. you're working out, mm. you know what I mean. If you work out harder, you're going to get more results, and it's like not yeah. necessarily like you may but with, jank your shit up. Yeah, and with guitarists and um, like specifically gigging working musicians, there's the longevity aspect of it as well. Like, we want to be able to do this until we're buried in the ground, you know, optimally. Yeah. So, like, to be able to maximize the amount of playing time. Like, if you're playing 13-gauge strings on the regular and, you know, trying to do all these Jimmy Page two-step bends and stuff, you're going to run into tendon issues. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, there's the longevity aspect as well. Yeah. Well, that, that's definitely a thing. What do you think about this this concept for acoustic? Because I've been playing 12s on acoustic for as long as I can remember. And now I'm down, like, I got to watch this video. How have I not watched this yet? Yeah. But, like, now I'm thinking, you know, there's a big, like, big time, like Mike, you were saying, you know, 250 hertz, like, massive 250 hertz hum on my acoustic guitar because it's got a giant body and that's just what it does, yeah. right? Like, would a string gauge help with that would it cut more would it be like you know would it sound better i don't know it, have, have you ever have you messed around with that at all like you guys on acoustic i have not but i will for sure yeah like like acoustics are funny well as you know like they're very temperament temperamental seasonally like um yeah you've expressed like the jekyll and hyde nature of yours through the seasons oh yeah um but yeah i've i've never messed around a ton with acoustic gauges, just same. Like I play 12s, they're kind of a standard acoustic gauge. And yeah, I like the 12s because if I want to do open D or open G, like they they still feel okay in a slack tuning. Um, uh. But yeah, especially like your style, like as a rhythm player, especially if you're using a lighter pick and stuff, you could probably get away with lighter strings. Um, the trouble I mm. find is if you're using like a stiffer pick with lighter strings, that's sure. when you get, they start snapping out and you don't get quite as much sustain from them. But yeah, from a mm. rhythm perspective, yeah, lighter strings probably work just fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny cause yeah. I feel like these changes are more like studio problems than like live problems. Like obviously live, it's like you want them to last longer and like you want to be able to hit them. As you do, whereas I feel like the tone yeah. stuff is more like, how does this sound on a condenser mic, or you know, like really. Where does it shit. sit in the mix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With acoustic strings specifically, like now that you got me thinking about it more, um, not just the gauges, but the materials, because you you have like your sure. phosphor bronze is kind of the go-to, but then you like there's a whole spectrum of different acoustic materials um going from mellow all the way up to like wicked bright so yeah yeah there's also that aspect of well instead of just changing gauges you can change materials 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. Dizzy. But I mean, I think protecting your hands is like maybe the biggest thing that you brought up, Dave, was like, like, man, if I can go from tens to nines and like, it sounds you know, better, protect my hands in that way and not lose tone or maybe it sounds better or whatever. Like, this is not something I've given any thought to at all. Yeah. But now I'm yeah. kind of like, wow, I should like, I should really look into this. Now yeah. that you got time, we got all we have is fucking time right now. Get that shit dialed yeah. in. Yeah, let's go down you some know. rabbit holes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one thing that you were shit. talking about. I'm going to do you, some research on this. You were talking about playing other instruments, and this is my struggle now. Because I'm more so, uh, as you know, Chown, Chown is actually working on a lap steel for me right now. Um, oh, it's a nice one. Yeah. It's it's a nice one, eh? It, it's not really mine. Uh, it's funny. It's um, a, a friend loaned it to me. And it's like that, that's how I got started with lap steel. It was yeah, you know, like kind of pay, payment for a gig, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I cleaned it up a bit because literally it's been under his um, under his bed for like you know maybe twenty years, and it's an old one to begin with. And so I cleaned it up a little bit, and like so I took off uh, the input jack, and just because the area around there, I just wanted to cloth it up pretty good. Like I got the proper um, polish for it. Uh, I don't know what the finish is, if it's nitro or not, but I got something that is like, compatible with nitro if it is. And then, um, and I actually like not severed a wire, but pretty much severed a wire. <laughs> the, the, the wire in the input jack is, is definitely severed. Uh, it's like, like the cloth wiring too, right? If I'm not yeah. mistaken, like the old style. Um, but, uh, with that, I'm, I have that in C6 because you had mentioned that the D tuning or something of that nature would be better because it's it's a lot um, more similar to guitar, and I did notice that, but I missed yeah. kind of the major and the minor. Maybe you mentioned the opposite. Actually, you might have mentioned that C six was better yeah, because well, that I would use that more for country. For for lap steel, yeah, C six is kind of the traditional yeah. tuning. That's like yeah. a starting point for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I mean. The the altered tunings. I mean, you were talking about Jimmy Page earlier. How, like, and he was big influence on me. Jimmy Page and uh, Tea Party. I was a child of the '90s Canadian '90s oh, music. The so, tea like, party. Tea Party oh, yeah. used tons of altered tunings and different instruments and things like that. And I was always captivated by that. And then um, carrying on Big Wreck as well, who I still, you know, still to this day, yeah, love yeah. and admire. And yeah, they were all big altered tuning things. So as I was learning guitar, I was working in altered tunings as well. So yeah, um, like how do you learn them? Is there a method to translating what you know? Or yeah, like some of them are more similar. Or um, what's the what's the word? Like just more widely used, like yeah. open open G tuning or or slack G compared to like a dobro a dobro would be like a high g tuning but the slack g tuning would be the more blues type tuning sure. which we'd be familiar with um and it's very similar to banjo as well like that's most sure, of five string yeah, banjo yeah. um yeah so i remember there was oh it might have been like five years ago now like i spent a year where where most artist gig i did i like i did almost every gig in open g like just for just for the heck, it probably wasn't the best idea, but uh, 
That's a you great know, just idea. as a learning experience. Yeah. And there, there's a lot, there's a, enough similarities with Open G and standard guitar tuning that I'd say anyone looking to experiment or get started with altered tunings like Open G would be the point. So from low to high, you're going like a drop D, you drop the A string down to a G, then the D, G, and B strings stay the same. Oh, so that like you can sort of hang on to those three as a standard guitar grip, and then the top string, the high E, gets tuned down to a D as well. That's not too bad, yeah. No, so that like that's why I tend to like and work with Open G a lot because there's enough similarities to standard. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then the other one, Open D, would be the other big like blues guy tuning. And you can think of it as basically the same as Open G, but everything is shifted down the string set. So instead of having your major triad on the fourth, third, and second strings, like your Open G triad, you'd have it on like your fourth and third strings. Yeah, Yeah, I found that so helpful Mm. to be like, well, this is just like guitar, and I pretend so... I do the same thing that I do with E flat is I pretend that it's, or you would do with like a, a, a trumpet versus like a French horn or something. I pretend yeah. that it's in a different tuning than it is. So with open D, I pretend that still, you know, this fret is C, you know, it, on my guitar, it would be C, yeah. but it's not like it's, you know, C it's the same shape, but it's down like a fourth or down. A yeah. I don't know what it was. Cause I didn't stay there that long. Um, yeah, there's there's and then that definitely way, the, the mental songs thing. In G, yeah, yeah, that's that was the big problem. The, the you know just fucking remembering where all the shit yeah. was. It's a nightmare. Yeah. So nightmare. yeah, def- definitely mm-hmm. a mental thing. And like the the whole numbers system, like the Nashville numbers thing, is the same sort of deal. Like no matter where you put the capo, or you know if you're tuned down a half step or whatever, you like you need somewhere to hang your hat mentally. So you're just not swimming yes. in this foreign foreign tuning yes yeah Yeah. uh so you're playing like three plus instruments uh you know banjo mandolin and electric guitar uh most of the time i guess and then maybe some steel here and there yeah Uh, how do you manage that setup for live gigs because i know (sighs) from some touring that we've done together that you've got a you've got a nice little setup going on that sort of self um contained and you're not you're not asking the uh, sound tech for like six lines when you show up no. which is i'm sure people appreciate that yeah that that's definitely the hardest part you know like there, there's learning the songs and learning the instruments but trying to figure out a way to to get a rig going is definitely and and it's still to this day a, a learning experience you know where if if i sh- show up at a festival or something you know, we're all guilty of it, like peering over, looking at pedal boards and trying to trying to scout gear and stuff. So, but my logic or, or where I try to approach it from is I have enough instrument switches, like the songs come and go and I'm switching instruments like crazy. Um, I don't really want to be worrying about tap dancing on a pedal board or things like that. Sure. So I try and have mm-hmm. everything... Like if I have three instruments, for example, I try and find a way to get all three going into 
my board at the same time and then be processed individually and then get sent out either like you mentioned depending on the gig you know if it's like a rib fest with someone who's never heard the group before and you know they're not going to be manning the board i just want to send one line to them yeah right and i'll Mm -hmm. like i'll just deal with my mixing i'll just ear it out and blend it in and out accordingly or with the bigger gigs i'll try and you know i'll be able to send them three lines and then they can process it well or if we're getting set up on in-ears or something like that um i'll split it out to three lines but yeah that's been it's always like every rig i build or put together they've they've all been similar but different in that way like i always have that approach send all the instruments in separately process them separately and then be able to send them out together or separately yeah i see um yeah so at this point um before like when i did some touring with al uh with chez dupuis and for that rig flying around i had a little like sub mixer um and a couple little just a couple pedals and things like that and one a b switcher to toggle between the instruments um and then these days i'm back in the line six game in the helix thing yeah baby so I've, yeah i've been i've been working it with the stomp which is a challenge like yeah. it's doable but i'm probably going especially with the david boyd james group and we're probably going to have a lot of throw and go gigs where you know you roll your rig on you plug it in you play and you got to get out there as quick as you have to so yeah. i'm probably going to end up building like a rack thing yes. just so i can oh. have it plug it in turn yeah. it on and then good to go because the toughest you know i don't want to worry about the technical side of it when i have 19 strings i got a tune right sure. like yeah i don't want to mm-hmm. spend if we have 10 minutes to set up i want to spend nine minutes tuning my strings and one minute like mm-hmm. doing the line check yeah so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, what do you um, what what do you use to combine your signals of those three instruments? Is that a simple thing? Is that just one piece of gear, or is there a whole thing that you're doing? Yeah. Um, at this point, it's you might have the same one. the The Line Six G Seventy has been a lifesaver for that because yeah, it's it's a wireless and an AB box, ABC box, I believe. So yes. Like yeah, with that way, I can have, you know, one or two wireless packs, an instrument hardwired if if I want or need, and then I can send three separate outs from that to go wherever mm-hmm. wherever I need. Yeah. So the, yeah, the the G seventy has been clutch because I was looking into all kinds of switchers and AB boxes and things like that. Um, yeah. So I, I've been using that consistently like in every rig i've built for since i got it yeah fucking line so if you need to do a single output for everything then you'll just reprogram it internally to send to that same output well i'll i'll keep the the switching because i use it to toggle between instruments and then the output is okay is kind of at the end of this chain so the, the helix it'll be whether i send it through the like give a separate left and right and aux out 
or if I just send one mm. summed signal. Mm. So that, yeah, that would be all at the end of the okay. chain. But I keep, I keep the switching at the front just so I can toggle between instruments. So it's the helix that's controlling what the output looks like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, oh, I gotcha. Yeah, right on. Because the 70 has, like, two, it has an A, B, and a C output on it. So from there, what I used to do was was send my acoustic out of the what the DI output it has or whatever and send my electric out of the other one and then there'd I be see. some some routing, I guess, internally. And stuff. It's a great box, man. The only problem I've had with it uh, is that the switch goes on me. I might just be stomping on it too hard. but That's not a problem for a guy like David Chown. You can fix that in a GIF. Yeah. You fixed many of my yeah, switches, I guess man. You, you would just... Yeah, I've brought him so Clean many broken yeah, all these things. festivals. Like I, you'd be yeah, you'd be surprised how much dust gets thrown around at these festival gigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get, get all in the switches and yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, nice, um, uh, Mike. You were going to ask something. I I cut you off there. Oh God, I don't even know. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> we we were going to talk about instrument care, and like before we do that. What is like the biggest thing that like that you see from guitarists in terms of fuck ups maintenance wise? You know what I mean? The Simple. number the number one thing I harp on it everyone and I'm not alone in this and I harp on myself for it and I'm saying this now and I know for sure I'm guilty but humidify your acoustics sure. um, in the winter months. Yeah. You know, like like I'm saying this, the humidifier in my acoustics probably empty right now. I'm saying yeah. this, but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> as, as soon as from the second you turn your furnace on in the winter until you turn it off in the spring, um, if you don't have a humidifier in your house, get one for your guitar because it's shocking the the difference it makes and how much. Like I remember reading some literature that like came with a Taylor guitar once and they were like, they would weigh a guitar that would come back to their shop for repair, rehumidify it, weigh it again. And like, we're talking about hundreds of grams worth of water weight that yeah. gets lost wow. from acoustic guitars. And it affects, it affects the action. Um, the kind of body like will swell or sink accordingly. Um, if it gets too dry, the glue joints get, stress start to dry out and crack um yeah so yeah just humidifying an acoustic will easily easily double its lifespan or just go. save you save you like hundreds of dollars in bridge re-glues and you know neck resets or loose bracing like all that I've kind of stuff tonally wise as well um you know oh, the difference yeah. between a dry dry acoustic and like an acoustic that's properly humidified um, yeah is a thing yeah i mean i definitely have a crack in my guitar from lack of humidification uh which i'm trying to i mean the, the you know i'm trying to make up for and 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 keep it because like even just from a resale perspective all my instruments i want it to be like oh i found a better version of this guitar i'm gonna just flip it and not lose that much money and now because of that crack can't do that you know uh, yeah so yeah my bad. Okay, so that yeah. that's that's the the one thing. Like in terms of instrument care, like what so what's the what's the go to? What's the go to humidifier? Oh, there you go. 
Um, I mean, there's a few. I've had the the Oasis one. I think that I probably just grabbed yeah. that at Long McQuaid. Um, That's a fancy one. It's a little finicky. Like you got to fill it up with this syringe. You got to get a little glass of water. Yeah. It's finicky. Um, I'm I've been like pretty brand loyal with Diderio stuff, like Planet Waves things for a long time. And Planet Waves has mm-hmm. has these like packets. They're, they're kind of like a set it and forget it type thing. Like you get a a couple packets, you toss it in the guitar when you're not using it. Um, yeah, now, I'm not sure what they're called. Bodeva packs or something like that. Yeah, yeah, but but they're kind of mm. preset to okay. like these packages. They're preset to like 65 percent humidity or something. That that might be a bit much. They might be oh, 60. Okay, but, yeah, yeah. And then all the, you know, if you you have like museum quality pieces, you can get one of those little digital readout things that tells you the humidity in the case or in your room if you want to get really crazy. I feel like none of our listeners will. I feel like that's for like dentists. I make this joke all the time, like dentists and like doctors and lawyers and shit buying like historical guitars. But yeah, yeah, you, no, you I, could probably get get like a get like a Bluetooth or a Wi-Fi app that would warn you if it drops below fifty five percent or something. Yeah. <laughs> I have to get home. I found with the Oasis ones that they were like they're expensive, man. They're like twenty five bucks or something yeah. to buy one of those humidifiers, and like two months later, it'd be shriveled up, and I couldn't get. You know, you you fill it up with water or whatever, and it just be shriveled up the next day. Like the the crystals or whatever that's inside, I feel yeah. like they just die real quick. Yeah, that, is that, that a one thing you, or no? That one, yeah, that one you got to refill a lot. Um, which is why I kind of mentioned the Planet Waves ones. They're more just a yeah. set it and forget it. Um, yeah, the the really like the old school ones. I still have a couple of these. They were just like a little plastic thing with a sponge in it, and. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like it's yeah. the same thing. Like the sponge dries out every every couple days, so you know you gotta always water yeah. it. But yeah, so that's not an indication that the 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 humidifier is like not working anymore. Like those crystals are still gonna be good for for years and years. Or like, yeah, I felt like I the can't remember those things how long like the short. Oasis was because they gave me yeah. one with my guitar and I used it for a while. But yeah, I, they have a lifespan. I don't know how long it is. It's not super long. For forty bucks, you know, um, yeah, it's no, forty bucks it is. Yeah, geez, I thought I thought it was yeah. forty bucks. I might be crazy. Yeah, that, yeah, that no, would, you know, you know what, you might be right. Surprise me. I'll check out these packets. I, I need to definitely need to do much better. I've got this little like personal mister going in my studio room here. I don't really know if it's making a difference at all. Well, I um, mean, and you're like but, you're you're a vocalist, so like even you'd understand the importance of like mm. vocally mm. being hydrated like as a human being right like yeah i should probably just invest in like a good room humidifier because if say i had like a nice one that could bring the the humidity of this room up to a the place it's supposed to be like my guitars could just be sitting around and they would be okay is that is that kind of the idea or yeah yeah or do i still need to yeah that's cool yeah, that, that's the thing because into that yeah because the trouble why i mentioned people humidifying in the winter months is because they turn on their furnace which is just dry forced air and you know Mm -hmm. they might not have a house humidifier so you know the house is just being filled with dry warm air you know no moisture at all so yeah like having a personal humidifier in the room is is enough to 
help out with the guitars. Or I even I even tell some people like if you're worried your guitar is getting like dried out a bit too much, just leave it outside the washroom while you shower or something. Like leave the door open because sure, like you yeah, know how yeah. much humidity a mm-hmm. shower creates. So kind of just using it to mm-hmm. your advantage. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. Yeah. What are like some things? Yeah, yeah. some things maintenance wise that are like pretty reasonable for a guitarist to learn how to do you know what i mean yeah um i mean obviously like learning how to change strings is i'm, yeah. I'm sure most <laughs> most like semi-pro musicians have a good handle on that already but honestly like learning to restring properly can eliminate sure. a lot of tuni- tuning issues intonation troubles um yeah uh, so yeah, that, that's where it starts. Like I usually, yeah. if I'm teaching lessons, I'll usually find a point in the lesson program where I teach them how to restring their own guitar. Like it's just something every guitar should know. Yeah. Um, after that, having a general idea of intonation, like yeah. just understanding what it is and how the adjustments work. Um, yeah. Even if you don't want to mess with it yourself, I know a lot of people are, you know, trepidatious of, you know, messing with their own intonation. But even just understanding what it is and how it works, um, yeah. So the intonation, and then little things like um, adjusting pickup height is something sure. everyone can do, and it yeah. will drastically affect your tone. And it's like immediate results. It's like you can yeah. just spend an hour one day just adjusting your pickup height and seeing the difference, you know, whether seeing it's trying like. to get the two or three pickups blending a different way or getting a little more power out of this one or that one because um, it drastically affects the tone as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that affects your tuning too. Can affect your oh, tuning. Oh, yeah. If they're too yeah. high. Well, the, strat the, pick, single, pickup. Yeah, single, po- single coil pickups, if they get too high, you get these weird overtones. The magnetic pull on them is very, very strong. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's definitely like a tone thing. I, I remember I sat down, um, oh, it must have been like a year ago, and and like recorded them through an SM57, because that's kind of what you're going to listen to, and just to hear the difference. I don't really know if I'm right on this, but my understanding with once you get them closer is it's like, isn't it more of the highs and lows? Like you get more attack from the pick and you get more like lows from the the like pick strike as well. Is that right or? Yeah, like definitely a more like probably more low and low mids um as you back them off like there's obviously it's the same with microphones like you get the proximity effect when you get really close like it's a similar idea Mm. similar technology like it's just magnets and wire right so yeah it's the same thing like as you're going to get closer you're going to get more high end as you get further away it's going to get thinner and probably a little more trebly yeah Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Mm. That is good to know. So I, I have another, as the guy here who doesn't know anything, I have another question about string changing that we that we you guys touched on. Um, and like, I get, this is occurring to me now, but like, I, I feel like there's a bunch of different techniques out there. 
of you know those people who do the, the over under thing when they're wrapping the string around the peg like i kind of just I, I the sets are dumb now but like i just found i just figured out a way to do it myself when i was you know getting started playing guitar or whatever that worked and i've just never changed like is there a definitive right way to do it or is there like everybody's kind of got their own little way to do it or like yeah like, yeah like what, there, there's the definite thought on that definite variations and even like uh tuners on guitars are different like the telly i have is like vintage style tuners where you know you put the string in a slot at the top and then you kind of get it around it's different and locking tuners as well you don't need to wind it really um Mm -hmm. but yeah the main thing if if i were to give people like one string changing tip it's would be don't skimp on the the wraps. Like you want to try and get like minimum two two wraps around because oh, that's okay, yeah. what's going to give you the stability. Um, any less, and you're you could be at threat with like some slippage or things like that. And personally, I usually do like a weird lock wrap thing where I'll put the string through, wrap the end underneath itself to kind of lock it and I'll, I'll do that with the unwound strings um because okay. th- they'd they'd be more prone to slipping than the wound ones mm-hmm. you know what's interesting about string changing bb king would actually wind it all the way the like, entire like, string yeah 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 it's yeah. oh wow yeah you could see, you can see pictures like, of his guitar at that yeah. point wouldn't it yeah. There's another fella doing like big monster two and a half step bends. Yeah. Okay, so I just want I want to share my string changing technique. I'm going to put this out there and I might you guys might be like, "Why do you do that? That's so dumb." But I just <laughs> I just want to tell you what I do. Um so so I put so, you know, you take the string out, whatever. You put it through the bridge. If it's an electric, it's going to slip through the saddle. If it's an acoustic, you got to take the peg out and do that whole thing, which I don't even really Actually, I learned some stuff about that recently. But anyways, let's assume it's an electric guitar, right? So slip it through the po- the tuning post, and I, I'll pull it all the way tight. So it's all the way tight. And then I'll put my finger on my other hand. I'll put my finger on the first fret of the string, wherever the string is, you know, landing on the first fret. And I'll drag the string to, like, the third fret, okay? Yeah. And then I'll start winding it, and it goes around three times. And it, that just works. Yeah, that's about you. Know, honestly, I've never heard that's that trick, but that's perfect. <laughs> like because the textbook Fender, like the the way Fender would advertise how to change your strings is it would say go two pole pieces past the string you're tuning. So if what you're tun- do, yeah. tuning an E string, you want to uh. pull, pull it from like where the D post would be, which is probably the equivalent of those two frets. You're you're sliding yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So anyways, that's what I do. <laughs> um so you you've got a pretty pretty nice little I don't know we like to we like to talk about the side hustle. I feel like that's a hot topic these days, the the quote-unquote side hustle. I don't even I mean maybe for you it's a main hustle. I actually don't know this for sure, but you've been doing a lot of instrument repair, instrument uh tech setup um aside from it just being a heavily useful skill set to have as a player because you know you can sort of fix your own problems when they come up and 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 what have you um 
you know, it's it's a pretty good gig, uh, I would suspect. And I'm, and we're curious, like, how, if somebody wanted to sort of learn more about that, where would you start? Uh, and, you know, in terms of, like, getting work, I guess that's one of those things you just sort of sort of happens over time but but where would people get started with with all of this sort of this sort of uh discipline oh get started it's it's definitely like a very niche thing um yeah it's i i could say it's in the family like my uncle's been doing it for for as long as i can remember um he's out east of oshawa uh in a little place called mitchell's corners he runs a shop called strings and fingers and um nice yeah so that's like when i got serious about it like when like i i took some time away from playing in my 20s and then once i was getting back think about gigging and doing more with guitar like i went and i I'd, I'd spend days with him just in the shop you know watching over shoulder doing simple jobs um taking notes and things like that um and again, like I, I was lucky it's in the family, but if you can find a shop when, when the time is safe, when the time comes, but yeah, just yeah. hanging out in a shop somewhere, if, if they'll let you, you know, um, mm. yeah, or just watching over shoulder. Uh, beyond that, um, I'm, I've always been kind of a, a auto, autodidact. I, I believe is the word, like a kind of self-taught. So beyond that, like I would find a, a book or just a resource and just work my way through it. I um, see, yeah. And mm-hmm. and again, and again, like finding finding odds and ends at uh, yard sales, I could just mess around with and practice. Or, um, but yeah, the the book I worked through, I got one when I was quite young with like. Well, not quite. I'm probably in my teens when I started playing a little more seriously. Um, it was more just regular maintenance and a little getting a little into electronics and things like that. Um, but the main, like what I, I would call the the Bible, would be the the Dan Erlewine book. Who he's kind of the founder of Stumac or Stuart McDonald. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah. yeah mm. So, so they're a huge based out of. I think they might be out of Atlanta or something like that. Uh, one of the southern states. But, um, yeah, so the the Dan Erlewine book is kind of like the Bible. Like, it touches on everything, like electronics, finishes, acoustic guitar construction, um, you know, and there's stock, like Fender stock setups through the years, Gibson stock setups. So, you know, as as far as a reference and a resource, that would be the book to chase down. Yeah, there you go. And it's probably readily available right at, at stumac dot com with all oh, any yeah, other guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, any other guitar parts or tools you could ever imagine. Yeah, those sites are really cool. Like the mm-hmm. the Warmoth and all parts and 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 stumac and all that stuff. Just seeing all the all the things that you could get. One thing that I yeah. I think is a maybe you don't have an answer to maybe there's nothing too crazy but what's like a what's like a the craziest procedure you've had to do on a guitar like I heard this one guy saying how he had to get the frets off of a guitar so he could get in at the truss rod and all that shit 
And I'm yeah, like, that there's some um, insane to me. I definitely like just um because like you mentioned it's it's more of a side hustle for me like i'm gigging a lot so like certain jobs there's definitely a point of diminishing returns for me so like i would i probably wouldn't take on a a refret for example um yes but like i have defretted some base like done fretless conversions on some bases yeah um which is which is fun job i've done a done a few of those um Personally, the craziest ones maybe, yeah, like some some bridge reglues or, or headstock repairs, like the structural stuff, sure. yeah, would be yeah. probably probably as deep as I go. The bridge reglues to do them properly, like you have to get the bridge off. It's not just like oh, let's squeeze some glue in there and clamp it back down. Like you have to, yeah, I steam iron whatever. Like you have to get the bridge off clean all the old glue and junk and then get it fresh. Wow. And, um, and again, like it affects the intonation. So you gotta be pretty know where Specific? you're, yeah. Yeah. Where you're getting it to. It's crazy. Yeah. So pr- probably those structural ones, I mean, like yeah, headstock repairs and acoustic bridge reglues might be the most intense stuff I've f- done personally. Funny thing too is when we haven't mentioned this is like, obviously you do electrical stuff as well you know like it's not just guitars and like glue and wood it's like i've taken plenty of things to you that's kind of where that's where it started for me was yeah yeah once i started like ripping out pickups in my own guitars and things like that and getting handy with a soldering iron and yes um you know like there there was a number of years in my 20s i i was working as a bell tech so you know like working with the phone lines and copper so like i've just always kind of had an affinity of it like understanding that aspect so yeah once i got handy and cleaner with the soldering iron that's you know i i was gonna say i enjoy it but anyone who's spent any time soldering knows it's like a love-hate thing i see (laughs) i tried soldering and i i ended up bringing my failure to you actually the cables on my board I, I remember some. I was watching a video about setting up boards professionally, and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, like you know, there's no use in buying like pre-made cables or paying someone to do it. You can just do it yourself." So I ordered some cables. I ordered the heads and I ordered the cable uh, separately, and I got myself like a little cheap soldering thing gun and some solder, and I made some cables. And there's an Instagram post on my Instagram about it, uh, and you know they looked fine. But, you know, literally half of them didn't work. And then, you know, a few days later, all of them didn't work. And I was like, okay, I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not doing this, I'm taking this to chow. And all of those cables have worked since. Work like hey, a charm. Yeah, good. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Soldering ain't as easy um, as it looks. I picked up this little, like, this is called uh, Cruise Tools. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but no. it's like. It's like 40 bucks, I think, at Long and McQuaid. So for the price of one of those friggin' humidifiers, you can get this <laughs> those useless humidifiers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you get this whole toolkit with like, I don't know, man. It's got a bunch of stuff in here that I don't even know what it does. But like, it's got a, a screwdriver. It's got like nut drivers in it. And um, I was able to, you know, do like a, like a hack job of a setup on my Les Paul um while we were on the road 
because it was like that's a big just thing playing like garbage and i got one of the guys johnny um who we should actually try to get on the show at some point help me um you know help me set up the the guitar and show me how to do it so like for especially for les pauls i think are particularly a little bit more approachable because the bridge has those little um I don't know what you'd call them. There's these things you can turn to adjust the height of it. Yeah, sure. uh, I, so I was really just going to like... say, anyone interested in like trying out a setup on their own, a Les Paul's a good place to start. The, the two pneumatic bridges. Are, yeah. yeah. Yeah, much more forgiving. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the, uh, this kind of off-topic kind of, have you ever heard of the Evertune system? Yes, there's, there's one artist, Canadian artist I love, uh, Devin Townsend, who has it on his signature guitars. And it, it seems like some kind of yeah. wizardry. Like, he's like, yeah, I put strings on my guitar, <laughs> I tune it once, and like, I've flown around the world and played like 100 gigs, and it's still in tune. That's fucked. There's yeah. so much stuff <laughs> Never has to out tune in it. the weeds of like this. See, I thought this was one of those intonation things like the buzz fighting system that's what i thought you were talking about like i was looking at i ordered a neck from warmoth and they offered something called the irvana nut and for me intonation like you know we've talked about it before tuning and stuff like that it's like the it's like the most important thing and i'm like man i wanted to get the irvana nut but i also didn't you know just because it's like it's new and i don't know enough about it um one of the things that you mentioned though al like we should mention this i feel like having a basic grasp on all of these things is like like essential especially if you're on a tour and it's like oh yeah my my trust rods like just way out you know yeah like knowing that oh you yeah can't the, turn the second it a bunch second you put you a know? guitar on the plane you never know what's going to come out the other end so it's not their natural habitat <laughs> oh, yeah. wood doesn't exist in, in, in yeah. ten thousand feet above the ground yeah oh go, go, <laughs> yeah. going back to that um like how i mentioned the number one tip to humidify your guitar like number tip number one b would be if you're making any adjustments make sure you're using the right size screwdriver or allen key or whatever okay yes like for truss rods specifically because if you're using mm-hmm. one that's too small and you slip and you strip yeah you strip it you know like mm-hmm. if you strip a pick guard screw or something that's no big deal if you strip your truss rod nut you're screwed pretty much what do you have to do yeah. with that you have to uh like you scrap there, the neck there's, or like a, yeah there, super i mean there's there there's ways to get it off or fix it there's specialty tools at stumac.com probably there you go <laughs> that uh, do that the trust <laughs> trust rod rescue kit i've seen in their catalog i like that yeah but yeah no that yeah. that that is a good point i've done that on my car stripped quite a few things like my lug nuts for my tires because i decided to do them i actually almost killed my dad um which is cool that's fun i uh decided to do the tires on my car my car is over a decade old uh i think it's 13 years old um fuck yeah um but uh so i took the wheels off and man it was hard to get those things off so i stripped the fuck out of them oh yeah um for sure but whatever, strip the fuck out of the lug nuts. I got new ones. Um, but so the way that it works with wheels, and do not quote me on this. I'm not a fucking mechanic. If you fuck it up and you die, <laughs> it's not my fault. 
Um, that much is but the way that much is clear already. I don't even know yeah. if we need a disclaimer. Uh, but but uh, <laughs> so the way that I understood it with lug nuts on a on a tire, you have to put them to a specific torque so that you don't over tighten them because it's not bad. It's not good for your car. You don't want to under tighten them because they'll, they'll fall off. So I had had a torque wrench set to the right thing. I put the wheels on, and what I didn't realize is my like bolts or the things that they go on are corroded, so you just can't like torque them you can't set them to a specific tightness because you know as soon as it hits the rust it's gonna be like oh it's tight enough so i i was um mm. i put them on and my dad was actually like oh can i borrow your car and he went around driving he's like your wheels are super noisy and i went and looked at them and literally some of the lugs were like a turn from falling off so my the fucking tires would have fallen oh, off while it was geez. driving on the highway um so yeah uh, don't uh, listen to anything I say because there's, there's certain things where I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to pay $30 to have that yeah. done. Yeah. So that I do. Yep. <laughs> Lesson learned. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, man? Like, useful skill to have because if you end up on the side of the road and you need to put a donut on a car, like, being able to do that is. It's yeah. the, like the thing, equivalent right? thing with a guitar, too. You know, gotta you need change to have your a strings, got to change your tire. Go, yeah. 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 Well, I- intonation too. Yeah. Like if you're in and the I studio, that, like it's better than canceling the fucking session. You know, like yeah. If you need to do your intonation, I think too. Like just b- being like, um, just just asking people for help too. Like, I, I mean, a lot of people are pretty darn nice, especially the more knowledgeable they are about this stuff, the more they're just going to want to help you out, right? So, like, anytime I've had trouble with with my instruments, like. You know, I'm, f- I'm phoning up Dave, or I'm, you know, if, if I'm on the road, it's like talk to the guitar player in the other band. It's like, hey man, can you can you just take can you just take a look at this? What do you think, kind of thing? And then because I, you know, I, I feel no need to project like I know anything about yeah, oh God, any of this I stuff. Don't. So it's just like if you ask for help, like people know, and I would just encourage mo- mo- more than anything, I would encourage. Um, uh, vocalists, you fellow vocalists out there, if you play acoustic, um. I, I don't know if there's like a I don't know if there's a a, a fear of like asking people about that stuff because you don't want to look you know like you don't know what you're talking about or something but just uh, if you if you need help with your acoustic or something just ask people and they'll help you out and it's like Mike said it's like if you know the more you learn about this this uh, this whole topic um, you know the 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 better even if you're just you know i just strum chords it's not that important it's like well it's adding something to the band and like the more you know about your instrument how to how to take care of it and and recognizing that there's a problem and realizing it's like oh man this guitar feels really hard to play it's like well there's yeah. a way to fix that oh yeah and and, and like, like you mentioned shit. as a <laughs> ask, as a vocal- ask some of the guys in your band and as a vocalist out. accompanying themselves you want to be concentrating on the vocal like that's the song that's what people are listening to the guitar's accompaniment so mm-hmm. if you're fighting the guitar or worrying about it staying in tune you know you're not focusing on your vocal performance so yeah yeah mm-hmm. well it's also yeah. a matter of two um one of the things that i do and chown is super familiar with it because i bring him like guitars all the time and things all the time is like you know with a beginner guitarist or even just like an intermediate guitarist it's like oh man this guitar doesn't feel good it's like well you could still get it and take it to someone and they can help you make it feel good you know what i mean like you could take a garbage acoustic you know like a costco brand acoustic obviously 
Chown would be way more experienced in saying this, but like you could take a garbage acoustic that is hard to play, and if you invested money in making it feel good, it would feel good if I'm not mistaken, right? Like it may not be worth it. It may be worth it to get something that's a little bit better and then invest money in it. But like, yeah. Oh yeah, so, for sure. Like um, my kind of MO, and it doesn't always work out this way, but like I try to, any guitar that comes in, no matter how crappy or junky or falling apart, like I try and get it to a point like with a setup where, okay, yeah, I would take this and go play some songs on a stage or in a bar somewhere with it. Yeah. Like I yeah, want yeah. to personally be able to take that instrument and confidently be able to perform yep. with it. Like that's that's the goal of any setup or any guitar leaving leaving the shop. Yeah. And like that's the thing. Like yeah, so if if you're an great. artist and you've spent like like you may think, oh, this guitar's a piece of junk. Like, I only spent three hundred dollars on it. You know, I'll just get a fancier guitar that feels better. It's like, well, three hundred dollars is an extra like, 50. pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like three hundred dollars is pretty good. My fucking Strat that I got. If you minus the pickups, like the reason why I bought it is the guy had these fancy pickups in it. They're not that fancy, but you know, like if it just had the stock oh, pickups, fancy. I probably would have got it for two hundred dollars less. You know, like I probably would have got this thing for like three, four hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Um, and like, you know, I, I, I've played fancy strats. Like I don't, I don't particularly feel anything that I'm missing other than the fact of those frets. And that's why I got a new neck, but, uh, you could get one that doesn't have the small frets for the same price. I'm just an idiot. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, like I, I've definitely heard some people who their guitar, their acoustic guitar sounds like shit cause the truss rods off. It's buzzy as fuck. Um, and like, yeah, like it is like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just playing chords. It doesn't matter. But you'd be surprised how many people, like, who are artists who play guitar, um, for acoustic guitar, the sound guy just doesn't put them in the mix. Or or puts them so low that you can't really hear them. You know, you can just hear... You know what I mean? It's the same with me. I didn't realize this, too. I guarantee you, in some of the bands that I was in, the sound guy would just put me lower because my tone was garbage and my playing wasn't as good. You know what I mean? When I first was playing... Like when I was playing in BPM crew, I guarantee you I was I was low in the mix as far as the sound guy sounded because I was not, you know, the best player in that band. Like there there was tons of crazy players in that band. You know, so it's like sort your fucking tone out. You dingus. <laughs> yeah. One more thing maybe we can hit up before we uh we wrap here, but I'm just wondering what are the sort of maybe like top five, top ten like brands or models of guitars that you see on a regular basis where you're like, this is just a solid, well-made guitar. Like, it doesn't have a ton of problems. Kind of, what, what do you what do you recommend to people out there looking to, like... Oh, they, these days, like, pro- probably on my, on my dream guitar list um, up there, and everyone I've seen recently from, like, the budget uh, made-in-Korea ones to the, like, made-in-USA ones, um, the Paul Reed Smiths yeah. are hands down Mm. you know like when i was first starting and growing up i was aware of them but never really put much stock in them i'm like oh that's the santana slash new metal guitar and you know that 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 was it for me but you know as um as as i've become more worldly and uh you know opened my mind a bit more um every single paul reed smith that comes in is just 
great. Like everything, the the fret work is clean. The electronics are great. The pickups are solid, and it's across the board through the entire price spectrum of their line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as like larger nice. companies, you know, there's obviously like boutique custom made stuff you can get, but as far as the big company and the PRSs, um, they're a real like jackknife style guitar. Like you can. Um, you can cover a lot of stylistic ground with them. Like if I was doing, doing some theater stuff and sure, you know, if I like, cause a lot of times you got to pick one guitar to cover a lot of different styles. Yeah. That, that would definitely be one to go to. Um, one thing that I, this is kind of a little bit of a departure from that, but kind of similar. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, especially uh, compared to Chown, but my, one of my students, brought in this guitar and they actually got it from costco i believe but um it nice i i i was actually like blown away by the feel of the guitar now i don't know obviously the like, like quality of the fretwork like it sounded great there was no buzzing of any sorts which is a pretty low standard uh but it felt great it was really easy to play but it didn't feel like cheap um the yamaha eg 112 like i was blown away like i it feels just as good as my strat it, if if I changed pickups and it's in terms of acoustically, it sounded the same as my Strat, and like it was a cheap ass guitar. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the Yamahas are real hidden gems, man. Like they've been around. Yeah. You can find some of them going back into the seventies. I, I think my uncle might have one of those older ones. Um, but yeah, and and even a lot of the newer models now, like but the old yeah. Pacificas. But yeah, yeah, Yamahas are real solid solid company across the board yeah there you go but yeah no it would be uh yeah i had a 70s uh i think it was like an fg 150 or something i can't i don't know it was an old acoustic and uh i had electronics installed into it um and uh, unfortunately it got smashed up on an air air flight uh air canada thanks um (sighs) they were you know they did give me some money so i guess I guess we're cool, but, um, you know, it was like, I, I remember taking it into the 12th fret, which is like a vintage guitar shop in Toronto, uh, where we live here. And the guy, uh, the fellow that looked at it said, um, you know, yeah, he's like, you know, they used to call these the, uh, you know, the, the, I don't know, the, the Martin, you know, the poor man's Martin sure. like guys would show up with to sessions with these and you, you know, nobody would notice that they you know, they would all assume they were playing a Martin, which would yeah. probably have been at the time. Were those the lawsuit the, the guitars? go to acoustic guitar. There was an era, wasn't it, where they, they got sued? The, there is a lawsuit era, and it's more than just I Yamaha. I think like Ibanez might have been caught sure. up in it too, like knocking off Gibsons or something. But yeah, there's definitely like a mm. late 70s, early 80s lawsuit era where like some of these, some of these secondary companies were making knockoffs that were too good. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that's when they started Yeah, to well, worry. that's the thing is, you know, this guitar is competing with, a, you know, $2,000 Martin. You probably could have bought it at the time for $150, um, yeah. you know, or whatever. So, um, it was uh, it was a favorite of mine, and I'm sad that it's gone now. But anyways, you can get, man, there's great value. Even the Yamahas that they make now, um, the acoustics, I always recommend to my students, it's like, don't get the the Denver 
like, no. don't get the complete intro model because they don't they don't stay in tune they don't intonate well they don't feel good so i'm trying to teach a student how to play and like they, they can barely fret the notes on this thing i mean it's just not well made i'm sorry denver but yeah like, if you got I mean, one and they're you designed got it set to be, up like i, feel I don't like, think so man I really no, don't but, think so. But you could find, <laughs> for, for your money, you could find a used Something Yamaha better. acoustic. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. can find a, a used, throw a stone out the window and hit a used Yamaha acoustic. Like, sure, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and I always try to say to the, if it's a young student and it's a, the parents are, you know, obviously they're concerned. They don't want to dr- dump $500 into something their kid, d- you know, gives it up or something. Like, you know, like Dave says, like, find a used one. If they If they don't like it, you can sell it. You'll be able to sell it true, for something. True. If you get the used is the, the way, eighty-nine ninety-nine, like you know, guitar right off the shelf. You're, you're never going to sell that, and it's true. it's just it's not going to be a it's good playing experience for um, also the students. So too, uh, I feel I'm like buying an acoustic or buying an, a, an instrument in general, unless you're like really getting up there. But even if you're really getting up there, I think you should be budgeting in a, a setup. You know what I mean, like. Oh yeah, like because if you bought like a like a good, especially if you bought a guitar that plays not as great, like it's going to cost more to set it up. You know, yeah, like, and and some I know some stores like especially with if you buy a new guitar, like they'll often the bigger stores will offer a setup within a year or something as part of part of the purchase yeah. or warranty or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, there you go, there you go. I also have a theory that like. You shouldn't. You, there, I, I have a theory that there's no reason, unless we're talking about like some kind of collector's item or like some kind of sentimental value or something like that. I don't think there's any reason to spend more than fifteen hundred dollars on a single instrument. That's my Ooh. theory. I I I wonder um, what Chown has. To maybe say the on this. one exception I can think of is. Like if you're a keyboard player and you get sure. like the the, uh, the Chronos or whatever, which is just so incredibly powerful and literally just does everything. Apparently, they don't use it anymore. Possibly need it crashes all the time. It's not the standard. Ooh, yeah, right. Yeah, it's not even. Good. But uh, yeah. you'll 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 get a lot of flack from uh, proper string players who. Who probably? I, I remember showing like up violins? to like some theater That's stuff. True. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm loving this guitar. You know, I got it for like 250 bucks off some kid in Streetsville or something. They're like, my cello costs twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> Ooh, oh. yeah, that's true. That's a world I. Uh, I'm like, yeah. that's Man, a world I, could, I, don't I could buy like about, so. I could buy like a thousand it. Epiphones with that. That's, yeah, I, yeah. This is one yeah. thing I'm going to bring you at some point, Chown. I'm going to buy an Epiphone, and I'm going to get you to, like, just soup it up. Like an uh, electric guitar. Like, I'm going to buy, like, a Les Paul copy. I'm of the same mind with the don't spend that much money on your instruments. But, I mean, I I feel like there are situations in which that makes sense. Like, I think it's silly when someone like me buys a vintage instrument and drops, like, a ton of money on it. You know, like a super like like if you bought like a sixty strat, like obviously no one is now. Or if you if you bought something that was, you know, seven thousand dollars and it's like a vintage amp, it's like unless you're like a studio musician, you know, unless you're way more successful than me or just more successful than me, I don't yeah. think it, it it makes sense, you know, just because yeah, there with, are copies of that that are gonna get ninety percent of the way there. Yeah, with with every 
like I, I don't I don't buy a ton of gear, but with everything I buy, I want to be able to gig with it, which means it will possibly get beer spilt on it, driven over by a car, stolen, and I don't want to yeah. be attached or disappointed when any of that happens. So yeah, that's you know, fair. like yep. like I I I love my Les Paul and my my Tele. Like I I am attached to them, but they're of that price point where if something catastrophic happened, I could get on with my life. You know. Yep. Yeah. 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 I'm with you, man. What and what yeah. do they really add on these guitars that are like four thousand dollars? I had a four thousand dollars Sir guitar. It had a Buzz fighting system. It felt good. You know, like it had fancy woods on it, but was it better than this? No. This is this is like a it minus the pickups would be like a four hundred dollar purchase, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. Like there's a ridiculous. lot of cosmetic aspects and this and that yeah. and, and mm-hmm. personality. There's but um yeah, at the end of the day, like they're they're tools, you know, it's like a, a paintbrush or or something. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever you're gonna be comfortable yeah, I think, with. I, yeah. I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of diminishing returns north of a thousand bucks in terms yeah. of what you're really getting um, yeah depending on what it is so too i i would like amps amps there's more argument but instruments i don't know i uh, no, there's no there is zero reason to ever buy an amp ever again well <laughs> well so say for instance hot it is, take hot take it is hot it is take. tempting um for me to like say for instance if i came into money because I am trying to do more studio work to get some of the cheaper classic amps, you know what I mean? Like, so say for instance, like a, like a Silverface Champ or something like that. My uncle actually has one that he's going to sell us, and it's like, well, that's that's cool, you know, like that's mm-hmm. a cool thing to have. Um, but yeah, like to buy like a fucking Bogner amp that's like four thousand dollars, unless I have a reason to, and it benefits me. You have to think like a sociopath. Think like a Michael Hebs doesn't benefit you don't fucking do it um, yeah the only if i, I think, came into money i'd just buy uh gamestop yeah the only you know like i've got really one gigging guitar amp and i only use it with the like the professors of funk which is like a 60s 70s yeah. band so like it's a very stylistical choice for me to take that amp yeah. to that gig but that's yeah, any other time. I'm I'm siding with Al on this hot take here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, leave, leave, I think, leave the amps at home. I'm I'm getting to be an old yeah. hunk of coal. I don't want to be carting yeah. those things around. They're heavy. <laughs> I I definitely agree that most of the time an amp is not not a thing, you know? Unless also too people are like, "Oh man, I want to record with electric guitar." It's like you have a fucking garbage room. Like, you, you don't know anything about mic placement, myself included. You know, like, if you're fucking, like, the dopest engineer ever, and you have an awesome room and great mics, like, SM57 is an amazing mic, but if you don't know how to place it or don't know how to set your amp, like, it's not going to sound good. But if you get a fucking DI of an electric guitar, like, you can mm-hmm. tweak that till the cows come home and then, you know, make it sound good. You know, like... Oh, geez, yeah, even if, you take, even if you take a DI, you can send it across the world to an engineer in a world-class studio have them reamp it for you if you really yeah, want to get crazy you know that would be a great business but, idea yeah yeah for fiverr be a reamper i you know while we're on this topic I, I to follow up on what we were chatting with with nathan whitney a couple episodes ago 
um, with the direct guitar putting a reverb at the very end, like a very small mix amount of it. I've been doing this uh, in Pro Tools. I've been putting D-verb after my guitar plug-in or whatever because I use a guitar rig on, on Pro Tools to, to get tones. Put a D-verb plug-in or whatever, it doesn't matter. At the end, I put it on small room at 10% mix. So it's barely providing anything it's mono yeah so it's it's contained if you pan the sound it's fully contained in the sound it's not an effect that's sort of washing over your mix or anything but it just adds this little tiny bit of like of air i don't know realism what you would call it you know just a little bit of space it works so well so i just want to throw that out there thank you nathan you should i've been doing that it's dope. Design a plugin and not tell anyone what it is. It's just just be a one knob, and it's just that. It's just the mm. room. It's just a deverb. It's literally deverb so, with a different skin, yeah. and it's just a mix knob. But you say yeah. it's like Gooderizer or something like that. Guitar realizer, yeah. you know. Sell That's it like such a good bucks. idea. Oh my god! <laughs> make your direct guitar sound more real. Yeah, yeah. You should get a pet. Make a pet. Make a pedal. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Uh, oh my god that's so good yeah gear's yeah. a funny thing it's, anyway it's a funny thing works people uh like to pay a lot of um, money for that shit i'm i'm so guilty of it like right chan we were talking about this like like you were like oh i'll put the things to the stock uh the pickup height because i know that you're like a tone hound and it's like i'm like oh i'm gonna get a real bone nut on my on my like neck instead of just getting like a tusk nut and it's like i'd rather do that though then do it with like money money you know what i mean be like well i gotta get a real 60s strat or else you know i'm not oh yeah like the, like the difference between a tusk nut and a bone nut, it's gonna be the same price right you're yes you're getting a nut yeah it doesn't and also too yeah that that's the thing like it, it's fun to play around with as long as you're not fucking losing a ton of money that's why i like used gear you fucking just yeah. sell it if you don't like it and then some other loser pays for yeah. the 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 like the like <laughs> hype you know um all right well, i think that's a, a good place to to wrap us up here i've got to uh you gotta plug, I gotta, I gotta pl- plug the patreon you um, son of a bitch get us some got, money yeah oh, i do yeah. Plug the patreon fresh we've and, got and, the a patreon. New, and a new single too uh, there you go oh yeah, the pluggables geez. baby that's true yeah I'm business for all, the business all man uh, we've got <laughs> We've got well. First of all, we, we, let's thank David for coming on, man. It's been really great to chat yes. with you. Um, oh you're yeah, an, thanks you're for an incredibly me. fun person to, to to talk to and and super knowledgeable about all this. We're stuff. gonna have so you back on a bunch. We appreciate you taking the time and uh, and uh, Dave Dave's on a bit of a social media hibernation. He's cleansing uh, as he's as he's let us know. But uh, is there any place people can reach you if they're looking for uh, uh, maybe some help with their their instruments? They can and just or or make a great player to yeah uh, play yeah some drive, music drive through them. Ajax and yell Chown. I'll uh, I'll probably <laughs> hear you. <laughs> uh, but no, um, yeah that that's a good question. You can even you just an shoot me an email. It's probably the yeah. easiest old school way to do it. DMChown at gmail dot com. Yeah. yeah, we'll put it in the the show notes. Put too. it in the show notes. At, uh, Chown spent C H O W N. Yeah, and uh, like like Al mentioned, even just just questions that need answered. You know, I I got time these days, so yeah, yeah. 
Well, we we appreciate that that we get to to take up some of that time. So thanks, man. Oh yeah, and, it's a joy. Uh, uh, we'll look forward to doing it again in the future. Yeah. Um, we do have a Patreon. I got to shout that out now. Uh, you fucking and, better. Uh, we appreciate everybody who's checking that out. You can go to patreon.com slash musicguidepodcast if you feel like you want to give a give us a, a dollar a show or whatever to uh, to help this podcast keep on going. Uh, it would mean more to us than uh, uh, than than you know. So we really appreciate you going over and checking checking that um, that site out. Uh, and there's some some really cool benefits up the tiers all the way up to one on one lessons with uh, with Mike or myself. Uh, which could be anything from guitar to uh, music production to just consultation, um, and uh, there's there's even a benefit to uh, create an episode topic, custom episode. So uh, definitely go check that out. Patreon.com/slash Music Guy Podcast. We really appreciate your support. Uh, I do have a song coming out. I, I think this song might come out before this podcast does, but. Um, because it's actually coming out tomorrow, uh, Friday. It's called I'm Not Lost. It'll be available on all streaming platforms. If you go to any of my social media, you'll be able to uh, to find it there. So I'd appreciate you giving me a, giving me a spin or you know maybe set it to loop and just kind of leave it running in there your you garage go, you or something. That would really add would it really to your radio <laughs> station, um, sign out to your label. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. give us some fucking money, guys. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is the For best thing For all you high-level music managers that are listening to this show, you know, yeah. just – just sign me already. Let's just get it over with. Okay. It's going to happen um, anyways. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Alro Music on uh, any social media platform of your choice. You can find Mr. Michael Hebs at Bruno the Meek on Instagram. Uh, great guitarist and uh, guitar teacher. If you're interested in lessons or uh, need some, some guitar sounds on your next record, feel free to hit him up he's great to work with and obviously a great guy as you've uh, heard listening to this podcast debatable. for 63 episodes <laughs> um so thank you everybody for listening we we really appreciate the support each and every week and we'll be talking to you very soon if you would like to submit your original music for the song of the week you can do so by emailing an mp3 or a dropbox or a google drive link to musicguypodcast at gmail.com this week's song comes to us from Toronto rock band My My Sugar, who just released a new single featuring the Canadian Children's Opera Company, which is a non-profit company. The band wanted to plug them as much as possible with this song uh, in order to raise donations uh, to help them out. So that's the Canadian Children's Opera Company. So uh, if you have uh, a little bit of extra funds to spare and you want to help out a great musical organization, please uh, give them some love. They would much appreciate it. The song is called Kids of Civil War and uh, the band is My My Sugar. We hope you enjoy it. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now.
Oh, oh, oh.